Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage... You'll run these people over in a second. Oh! Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Sean Zarrell, joined today by former professional MMA fighter Billy Ward, who is fighting through an ice storm and joining us via audio only. So we do apologize about the audio, but we are happy to have Billy here providing his analysis as we break down UFC Vegas 70 going down this weekend at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to take you through the card, talk about our favorite underdogs, our top props and more and finish up with some best bets. But first, we're going to get you started with the main event and our bets on the main event between Nikita Krylov coming in as a minus 178 favorite and Ryan spanned about plus 145 on the comeback at FanDuel. The over-under set at one and a half rounds and juiced up to that under at around minus 150. Span, a lot of his fights do end inside of round one. And Billy, you are betting this fight in an angle that has Span getting an early finish. Yeah, you know, you pointed out most of Span's fights have a tendency to end early. And if you're on the Span side, which I am, there's just no reason to play his money line straight up. He's not going to win a five-round decision, or he's very unlikely to. And there's a few different ways you can go about it. One of the ones I love the option that FanDuel gives us, they're letting you bet Span in round one, two, or three at plus 195. So that covers you across the first three rounds of this fight. We haven't really seen Span go long in any of his fights. I have a lot of questions about his cardio because he swings very aggressively. Doesn't really defend takedowns, prefers to just lock up his power guillotine and try to get that which is great if it works, but if it doesn't, he's going to be losing rounds, losing minutes to the control time of his opponent. Krylov is a very solid grappler, so if he can get that takedown, I think it's going to be a long night for Span. But, you know, each of those rounds starts on the feet. Span will have a fresh tank of gas, at least for the openings of those rounds. He has huge power in both of his hands. So if you're on the Span side, I think I like him a little bit better here. Just no reason to play the money line. Take his finish props, take his inside the distance, or, you know, for even better odds at FanDuel, span in any of the first three rounds is plus 195 yeah i think that's pretty solid analysis you know span a tough fighter to get a read on because he said that he used wasn't previously training and now he is he's gotten off the couch seems to be more active and more engaged with his career who knows how true that is but 
We have seen him gas out consistently in the past. We do know that he doesn't have the best cardio. He is a big light heavyweight, has missed weight, cutting the light heavyweight in the past, so does not have the best gas tank. Krylov certainly has the better cardio and has the grappling upside as well. Span very dangerous in the first round. We've seen Krylov get submitted on numerous occasions, seen him get hurt in the past, wobbled, and sort of recover. So I think there will be moments where Span is going to put him in danger early, but if Krylov is able to weather that storm, I think he takes over at a pretty significant degree over the final four and a half rounds or so. I should say three and a half rounds or so once you get past that one and a half round mark where the total is set. So if Krylov can stay healthy, if he can survive that first six, seven minute mark, I think he takes over to a significant degree. Krylov live after round one, maybe the best entry point, but I don't mind laying his money line pre-fight at minus 170, projected it closer to minus 185. And then Krylov live after round one would be an additional spot to add more. Moving on to our favorite underdog on the card. And Billy and I have a consensus play here. Dante Mays plus 110 against the Custo Sakai. Billy, you talked about Dante Mays in your luck ratings this week, which people can find on actionnetwork.com. You'll also be able to find my main event preview up there shortly as well. But Dante Mays. Last performance was a bit underwhelming coming off of what seemed like a breakout performance. A lot of people bet him as a favorite against Hamdi. They were let down. Dante Mays plus 110 here against Augusto Sakai. Why do you like him as a dog side? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the luck rating piece. This is a kind of a perfect example, and I'm going through, you know, various factors and trying to figure out what matters. But that fight against Hamdi, turns out after the fact, Hamdi was just on a ton of performance-enhancing drugs. That one's a no contest now. But it's not because, you know, some medical issue or something weird happened. It's because the guy was juiced to the gills. So I'm willing to give Mays a little bit of a pass on that, just given the situation. And there was a short notice fight for both of them, which can be an issue. But, you know, he's fighting Augusto Sakai. Sakai has lost four straight. He's been knocked out in each of them. While it's been tougher competition than against Dontel Mays, Mays has actually had a pretty rough go of it in terms of the fighters he's been matched up with. He made his UFC debut against Cyril Ghosn. He also lost to Rodrigo Nascimento. Both of those guys submitted him. So Cyril Ghan even wasn't able to win the fight on the feet and had to take it down. Sakai never really won much by submission, not much of a grappler. So we've got a guy who's really only vulnerable to grappling exchanges as an underdog against someone who's lost four straight fights and been knocked out in each of them. I would make Mays a favorite here. So a plus 110, that's just a gift. Yeah, the one thing I can't forgive Mays for against Hamdi is the fight IQ issues going for takedown against Olympic Revel wrestler when all you need to do is keep the fight on the feet and outstrike him are the things that you don't like to see from fighters who you bet on. You know, they, the guys who aren't able to recognize the path of least resistance and sort of engage their opponent in the area where their opponent specializes, those sort of things drive me nuts. And Dante Mays has low fight IQ, is reliable to do things that are going to frustrate you as you watch him. But that's why you'd rather bet him at plus money than laying juice on him. And I guess the Sakai may be completely washed at this point. Four straight knockout losses. You do not see UFC fighters bounce back from four straight knockout losses and get their career righted very often. He used to be a heavyweight who relied on his durability and outpacing opponents. Now he seems super gun shy and super fragile. So I guess the Sakai may be broken. But really, I just like the grappling upside that Dante Mays has here. I think if he pursues the takedowns, he's going to get on top of Sakai and be able to keep him down. So Dante May is a plus 110. And another underdog I like in that same price range with grappling upside, Jasmine Jesudavicious at plus 110 against the debutante Fernandez. Grappling upside for Jesudavicious here 
reliable to shoot about three to four takedowns per round. And we've seen Fernandez get stuck on her back regionally and give up takedowns at a high rate at the regional level. So again, going against the UFC caliber opponent who is going to have that grappling upside, certainly like Jess Sudavicious at plus money. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move on to our fight of the night between Andre Muniz and Brandon Allen, the co-main event on the card. And I like the over one and a half rounds here. I'm expecting a close and competitive affair. There is a chance that Muniz takes Allen down and instantly submits him. He's one of the most dangerous submission grapplers in the world. But we've seen when fighters are willing to prioritize staying safe against Muniz, like Uriah Hall did in his last fight, and not try to get up. They don't give anything to him. They are able to stay safe and survive. And Muniz has poor cardio. So if Allen is able to survive that first round, get back standing for the start of the second round and keep the fight standing, I think he can outstrike Muniz. He can outstrike Muniz if he avoids the takedown. But I do expect him to be taken down in that first round. So maybe if you wait for a better price after round one on Allen, you better find a better price on his money line. If it gets up to plus 200 pre-fight, I consider betting that. But my favorite way to play it the over one and a half rounds at minus 145. And then Allen by decision at plus 500, I think is interesting as well. Projected that closer to plus 350. Billy, I think you're of a similar mind that you expect this to be a competitive fight. Curious how you feel about the over one and a half rounds. And I know you are leaning to Allen as the side as well. Yeah, I like that. I also like, you know, live angles on Allen. I tend not to give out live angles, especially on these fight night cards. So I just don't want to assume that anyone's going to actually be watching this live all the way through. But um, yeah, the cardio is a very good point. You know, if you watch a lot of jujitsu competitions and stuff, the pace is just so much slower than in an MMA fight. And they also don't have rounds. It's one continuous thing. So a lot of the guys who compete in the high level jujitsu, like Muniz does, they just don't really have that pacing and that cardio to keep up in an MMA fight. And Allen is no slouch as a grappler. He's a jujitsu black belt as well. He's eight and two in the UFC. Both of his losses were against strikers. He lost to Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland. You know, both of those losses actually looked pretty good in retrospect. It was 
a short notice early fight for Curtis, but he's been really good. Strickland went on a tear at middleweight and is probably a top five guy. So I think Allen's just a little bit undervalued here. So a plus 190 or so on a money line, super happy with that. You know, any angle where you get him late or, or Allen and over one and a half, stuff like that is also solid. But yeah, I love the cardio point. I think he's got the grappling to survive on the ground, even if he doesn't necessarily win in those exchanges. And then just the far better striker should dominate once it gets to the feet, especially if Muniz runs out of gas. I mentioned Allen by decision plus 500 books where you can same game parlay Allen in the over one and a half rounds. That's closer to plus 300. I think that's a very sharp bet as well. If you have that option available and just to Billy's point about BJJ dominant guys like Adolfo Vieira, like Gilbert Burns, these world-class decorated BJJ grapplers necessarily do not have the best cardio. In fact, I'd say more often than not, they all have about seven minutes of gas and then they all really start to fade. So going with the cardio angle on Allen here, I think he takes over in the second half of the fight. If he makes it there and talking about those Allen decision props leads us into our favorite props on the evening. I do like Allen decision at five to one quite a bit, but the two biggest favorites on the card, Joe Selecki fight minus 590 and Tatiana Suarez making her return minus 800. Both have massive grappling upside. And I think if either wins, they're going to need to hit their win condition by getting to dominant grappling positions where they should have a chance to finish the fight via submission. Selecki inside the distance is minus 110. Suarez inside the distance is about plus 130. I do like their sub props, though, at plus 130 and plus 280, respectively. Those would also be the building blocks at the start of any of my round robin tickets as well. Suarez sub plus 280. Selecki sub plus 130 for the two biggest favorites on the card. Billy is also going to the finish prop. Another fighter he talked about in his luck ratings piece this week. That would be O'Day Osborne, who was finished last time out with a very mistimed flying knee, eating a right-hand counter. But you like O'Day to get the job done this time. Yeah, it's not necessarily that I think he's going to win, but if he wins, it will almost certainly be by a stoppage. Charles Johnson has very solid wrestling for a guy with a boxing background. Much better cardio. You know, it's a bit of a short-notice fight for Johnson, but his cardio has held up really well. He even started to get the better of some exchanges with Mohamed Mokayev in Johnson's debut. So I just have a lot more faith in Johnson's cardio. But Ode has big power for a flyweight. And he's fighting a guy in Johnson who kind of leans and dips like a boxer. Ode loves to kick, loves to throw flying knees, as you referenced. He definitely has the opportunity to put him out. His inside the distance line is around plus 300. You could even go uh, round one at plus 600 if you wanted to juice it a little bit more. You know, I like a lot of these stoppage guys. I like their chances at the start of the second round as well, not just in the first, since the fight necessarily gets stood back up and they get a little bit of a break. But just the gap between his inside the distance line and his money line is far too big. If Ode is going to win this, he probably has to finish Johnson. So at plus 300, that's just a much better bet than his plus 145 or so money line. I think that's really solid analysis, Billy. I like the way you said it. I don't think he's necessarily going to win, but if he does, it's more likely to be inside the distance than the market is indicating that it is. His ITD odds should be closer to his money line. This is something I see all the time with fighters whose win condition seems to only be by finishing a fight. Their ITD price or their knockout price, submission price, whatever they're more likely to win by should be much closer in line to their money line. Way too big of a gap here between plus 27, 127 on O'Day Osborne and plus 300 inside the distance. I do agree with that assessment. He is also a fast starter, and Johnson is a slow starter. So if anything, Ode round one definitely interests me. And another way I would think about playing that fight, a same game parlay with Ode and the under one and a half rounds 
as opposed to the inside of this. And so get some more juiced up odds on the first seven and a half minutes where he's more likely to finish that fight. Let's move on to our best bets for Saturday night and underdog play that we were both going to talk about. However, her odds have slowly moved into minus territory. Eileen Perez minus 102 on the money line. Yet another fighter you talked about in your luck ratings piece coming off of a short notice fight where she debuted up a weight division. Eileen Perez moving back to her proper weight class here. You like her to get the win. Yeah, this is another one where the luck ratings, I think, really highlighted a lot of what I was looking at. Both women are exactly seven and two, right? So just on pure record, they should be pretty evenly matched. But Perez's two losses, one, she came up a weight class, as you mentioned, on short notice. Her other, she lost by disqualification because she threw an illegal strike. So hard to say she was really beaten there. Cohen is 7-2, and two, but she's been finished in both of her losses, one of which was against a 1-2 and two pro fighter who is, hasn't even fought since. And she made it into the UFC with a split decision win on the Contender Series. She was saved by the bell in that fight. She, the fight ended with her opponent riding her, about to get a rear naked choke. Razor close split decision could have gone either way. So just one of the two fighters with the similar record has far better stoppage upside, has never been finished. You know, her losses are a little bit questionable or a little bit excusable, I should say. And the other fighter has two split decision wins, hasn't really shown me much. Perez should be the favorite here. I'd take her down to about minus 110. I think you can still get around even money right now. You know, it's, if you read the article, you might have got her at plus money earlier. But even at roughly even money, I really think she should be a heavier favorite here. Yeah, I projected Perez at 55%, so I agree she should be favored. I would bet her to about minus 110, minus 115. I think she has the grappling upside. I don't think Cohen is fully developed yet. Her fight on Contender Series in the past would not have been enough to get her a UFC contract. They've been much more generous giving out those contracts of late. Maybe two, three years from now, she beats Perez pretty handily, levels up her skills a bit more. But at this stage of their respective careers, I think Perez should be favored. Cohen more upside in the future, but not right now. So Perez on the money line, a play for me as well. And my final money line play of the evening, I'm going to call it my best bet. But frankly, I like all of these bets about the same. And if anything, I would maybe make Krylov at minus 170 my best bet. But one money line bet I haven't talked about which doesn't necessarily align with my projections because I do make him about minus 110 is Victor Martinez, who is sitting as a pick against Jordan Leavitt. I like Martinez in this spot for a lot of stylistic reasons. I do think Leavitt is pretty finished relying here, and I think his finish prop should be closer to his money line price. He doesn't have the best top control, does have the grappling upside, but if Leavitt is going to get to the positions he needs to in order to win this fight, He's probably going to win by submission or finish it via positional TKO. If Martinez is able to avoid those bad grappling positions, I think he eventually boxes, leave it up and finishes him or just outclasses him to a pretty wide decision by landing significantly more damage, much better striker has shown some grappling concerns on the defensive end regionally. And this is the one fighter I've brought up on this podcast who does not have the grappling advantage that I'm betting in their fight. But I do think Martinez's defensive grappling is underrated and is getting better. That is one thing I've seen from him in his recent fights. It seems like he is improving in his weakest area. And I know he has a clear striking advantage here. Also has a clear physicality advantage as well. And even though Levit is a really good grappler, when opponents are stronger than him, which is generally the case in his weight class, because he's just not the most physically strong guy. When you're able to outmuscle him, he can't really get his game plan going. So Martinez on the money line at a pick and price, 
Again, that's right where I have it projected, the one bet I've given out on here that doesn't necessarily offer me a technical edge when I'm betting it, but I do think the stylistics point to Martinez being more of a favorite than the pick and price suggests. Billy going with Eileen Perez at minus 102 is his best bet. He likes Odie Osborne inside the distance. I like Joe Selecki and Tatiana Suarez, both by submission as our top props. In the Andre Muniz versus Brandon Allen fight, I like the over one and a half, and I like Allen by decision of plus 500. Billy likes Allen at plus 184. We both like Dante Mays as an underdog at plus 110. I like Jasmine Jessica-Vicious at plus 110 as well. And then finally, in the main event, Nikita Krylov, minus 170 for me. Billy is going to span in the first three rounds at plus 195. That'll do it for us for the UFC Vegas 70 betting preview on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Find more of our picks, more of our content on actionnetwork.com and in the Action Network app, which is free to download. Best of luck with all of your bets this weekend, and we'll see you next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.